If you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you're using the black Bibles there in the, in the chairs, it's page 122. <clears throat> like John, it would have helped if I had gotten there before too. We're going we're gonna to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a little, you know, it, it's going to be a while, so... Uh, we got some other things to talk about here, but <clears throat> this evening for <clears throat> for our normal church family, we've been going through the Baptist distinctives and talking about uh, different things and doctrines and different things. So this is a little bit of change of pace for us tonight. We're going to be talking um, primarily about the home uh, tonight, um, mainly because of the, the baby dedication and... Uh, <clears throat> As I, uh, when after they came to me and asked me to do this, I, I started thinking and praying, and, and it's really been a long time since I've done anything on the home. It's, uh, it's been a while, and, and uh, God just started speaking to my heart about some things. And <clears throat> so uh, he, he just kind of changed my direction, obviously. Um, I personally remember when, um, our children were born, um, both of our children. Um, we <clears throat> did the very, a very similar thing as we're going to do tonight. We, we uh, dedicated both of our children uh, to the Lord. And <clears throat> there is a very serious side of this dedication. One of them is that it is a, it is a, uh, it's a vow. Uh, very similar to a vow you would take when you get married. Uh, it is a vow of, of uh, commitment that you're going to raise your child for the Lord. One of the things that <clears throat> when, I was, when, when we were younger, <laughs> when I was younger, she's, she's still young. It's me that, it's me that gets old. Um, isn't that right, Tony? Yeah, okay. Uh, <clears throat> as I get older... Um, as our children started to grow and develop into young people instead of babies, it's easy, it's easy to dedicate a, a baby. But as the, those children get older, what happens? The reality of the fact that they're going to be moving out of my house and potentially, if I have done my job as a parent right, uh, they could possibly even go into the service of, of the Lord and end up as a missionary somewhere around the world. And this is a serious commitment. Uh, this is something that God does not want us to take lightly as parents. Now, every, every parent should raise their child for the Lord. But when you dedicate a child, you are making a public profession that you are going to be doing that. And, and it, is a, it is a special time, and my wife and I both took it very seriously. And <clears throat> we both were perfectly content with the idea of our children, both of our children, going anywhere God wanted them to go. Uh, we have a son serving the Lord, uh, uh, he and his wife, uh, in the church in Kentucky. Most of you know that. And now you may think Kentucky is in a foreign country, and it probably is. They talk a little funny there, but um, but seriously, 
we would have been just as happy had they been in Bangladesh. As long as they're serving the Lord and they're doing right, it doesn't matter where our children are because we gave them back to God many, many years ago to do with them as he wished, not what we wished. So this is a, 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 an important event in the life of a parent. And so obviously uh, I, am, I am excited uh, that uh, uh, the Pruitts have decided to make this commitment before God and before us uh, today. This, the message tonight is going to be in two parts. Uh, the first one is I'm going to give everybody here, uh, parents, grandparents, uh, hopeful parents, whatever you fill in the blank, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you seven helpful things that every family should be doing. And as a grandparent, uh, <clears throat> I have found that uh, there's nothing in the world like grandkids. <laughs> But let me tell you, grandparents, and, and, and I'm bad about it. My wife's a lot better than I am. <clears throat> Being a grandparent is not about spoiling. I have a hard time with that. I, I want to spoil. I want to give them everything. Uh, it's a good thing we don't have a lot of money because I can't give them very much. But, but on the other hand, it is just as important that grandparents reinforce what parents are trying to do, not undermine what parents are trying to do. Okay, we, we have to be really careful. <laughs> so so this is this is for the whole thing. And then the second part is I'm gonna and this will be directed more to toward Larry and uh, Patricia. Uh, does your fa- what do they call you, Pitsy? Is that what every it... <laughs> or how mad they are at that moment? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, the the second half is going to be directly directed more towards them. <laughs> but it really is important for all of us uh, as well. But <clears throat> the idea of baby dedication is more about the parent than it is the child. Because I, I don't know, how old is Luke now? At 19 months. You know, at this age, Luke really, you know, his choice is basically, does he want Cheerios or Rice Krispies? I mean, that's about, you know, the extent of choice making at this age. Uh, <clears throat> but I want to read you a quote <clears throat> that I, I really I really think is appropriate and I really like. Charles Spurgeon wrote this: "Let no Christian parents <clears throat> fall into the into the delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them from their personal duties. The first and most natural condition." of this is for Christian parents to train up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And in, in, in essence, what Charles Spurgeon is saying is, is this simple principle. It is not the church's job to raise your children. It is your job. Now, it is the church's job to come alongside you and help you as much as possible. But the ultimate responsibility falls on you. And with that responsibility comes a huge burden of responsibility. Deuteronomy chapter 6 
Let's start reading in verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest in the way, or excuse me, by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou raisest up. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you so much for your love, for your, the work you do in our lives. And Lord, help us as we come together to not only witness, but become part of this dedication service. And Lord, help us to draw close to you and help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The word diligently literally means uh, to pierce. So it is to... so when, when the Bible tells us to diligently teach, the word, the word diligently means to pierce. So in, in, in essence, what, what we're being told here by God is that we need to, to teach until it pierces into the heart of that individual. Does that make sense? Because can, can we not teach and no piercing, if, if it were, take place? Now, how many of you are parents? Raise your hand. Let's see. Okay. How many times have you told your child to do something and it was like talking to this wall right here? (laughs) So what what is the technique that most parents have when that happens? They, does not the volume or the tone of your voice ratchet up? Okay? Does that do any good? No. It, well, it, it does good because it, raise, it raises your blood pressure, which, <laughs> which may be good for the kid because you'll die sooner, you know. Um, but but it, it literally means to pierce. And so... What I want to do is I want to give you seven things that will help you pierce the heart of your child, if that makes sense. Because yelling at your kids does no good. I'm about to say something that if it gets, well, I probably ought not say this because I'm being recorded. So I won't say it because it will come back and haunt me. (laughs) Just take it from experience. Yelling does no good. Um, I, I, I can't say anymore. Um, <clears throat> number one, be consistent. Be consistent. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. What is the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, God is a God of order, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later also. But God, God does not deal with us by yelling at us, does he? He does not. 
and we are to bring us our children up in the nurture in the admonition of the Lord. We are not to provoke our children to wrath. Well, what happens if we yell? Everybody gets mad. Consistently, consistency gives security. My wife and I, early in our attempt to raise our children, came up with a, a series of policies or rules, if you would, so that no matter who was home or who, who was dealing with the children, and no matter what child was being dealt with, we had a consistency across the board so that if, if an offense was wrong yesterday, it's wrong tomorrow. And if it's wrong for our daughter, it's wrong for our son. And that, it, that consistency gives an incredible security <clears throat> that is good not only for the child but also for the parent because you're not having to make up rules on the fly. Jesus was always the same. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we are going to have godly homes, it is going to start with the fact that you are consistent in your home. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is pray. In Psalm chapter 127, verses, uh, well, actually it's the entire Psalm 1 through 5, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Okay, let's stop right there. We could really just go there, say amen, and go home. God has to build the home. Everything that you do in your family needs to be centered around the things of God. Am I not on? Oh, okay. <clears throat> except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman uh, uh, waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, uh, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrow. For he, for so he giveth his uh, beloved sleep. Oh, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. God puts a premium on children. And here it says the man is happy is the man whose whose quiver is full. Well, it just so happened my wife and I had a very small quiver. <laughs> we just had two kids. Two was plenty for us. Mm -mm. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Pray for your children. I, I, I want to share this. <clears throat> John knows this. I think we told John this. They, they've been married for two years. But we started praying for John when Ashley was born. Obviously, <laughs> John wasn't even a nightmare yet. Because uh, <clears throat> he, unfortunately, he's younger than her. But uh, 
But he, he wasn't even born. John wasn't even born yet, and we started praying for John. And we prayed specifically for our, both of our children's spouses when they were born. Now, those of you that are parents of small children, hopefully, let me encourage you to start doing that. Pray for your children. Pray for your family. Pray. Number two, or number three, be engaged. Be engaged. Do you know how kids spell time? Uh, I just did it. I knew I was going to do that. Do you know how kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Spend time with your kids. Rules without relationships breeds rebellion. Let, let, let me say that again because it, in, in our, it, is, it is easy to lose perspective of this statement. Rules without relationships builds rebellion. I have seen it over and over and over. Good people raising little robots that their first opportunity to leave home, they leave. And they turn, not only do they turn their backs on their families, but they turn their backs on God. Work at being close to your children. Now, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26 says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eye observe my ways. But understand, you're still the parent. You're not your child's friend. There is a big difference here. There is a huge difference here. One of the things that we would do in our home, and I, I, I regret not doing it more often, but especially with my daughter, we would do daddy-daughter dates periodically. I wish I had done it more. I just, I just you know, unfortunately... You get busy, and anyway, no excuses, just regrets. <clears throat> Spend time with your children. Spend quality time with them. <clears throat> just, especially if you have multiple children, spend time individually with each child. You know, taking everybody out for ice cream doesn't count. It's good, but that's not what I'm talking about. Get to know your your little creep. That's what I call kids, creeps. <clears throat> you know, get to know your little creeper. What they like, what they don't like. Their favorite colors, so on and so forth. It is so important. Number four, establish times and traditions. This is really two and one here, but you get two for the price of one. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, for, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, let all things be done in, uh, decently and in order. <clears throat> there should be <clears throat> excuse me, a daily time around God's word. And it should be the same time every day. Set, set these times so that your children know when it is time to go to bed and when it is time to get up. In, in, our, in, our, in our home, uh, if either one of our children woke up early, that was okay. They just were not allowed to leave their bed. 
because there were certain parameters that we wanted to instill in our children. And one of them is that mom needed some alone time. <laughs> and we had a, now this, this, this is not in my notes, but this is important. My, we also had a standing rule in our family that if you woke mom up on Sunday afternoon for, from her nap, you were going to die. Okay, it was it was that simple. Okay, <laughs> both of the kids knew that. You just did not do that. But no, seriously, there should be set times for dinner. And and let me say this, especially when your kids get older, it gets more difficult. But eat dinner together, and not in front of the idiot or the television. The idiot. My dad used to call it the idiot box. Do not do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm bad about that. <clears throat> no ding-a-dings. That, that's that's uh, Danny code for cell phones. No ta- no phones at the table. This is important because if if you allow these these distractions and these things to 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 infiltrate your time as a family, then it will erode your ability to communicate. I don't know. I, I've talked to Candy about this because she works over here at the Black Bear, and I've talked to other uh, uh, sir, uh, uh, food service people, and and <clears throat> it's amazing how many people, couples, and families will come in, sit down at a at a table in a restaurant. Next time you're in a restaurant, look, and 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 everybody is on their phone, and nobody's talking. That is a that is a tool from the devil. Do not let it infiltrate and destroy your family. Spend, establish times for things. Psalm chapter 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. One of the things that the tradition things that Uh, is important that I found out as a, as a, later in life is I, I did not grow up in a home where birthdays were not a big deal. Christmas was all about getting, getting, getting. Uh, any, any kind of holiday, it was just about what I could get out of it. And so when we got married, holidays, birthdays really meant nothing to me. But see, my wife grew up in a totally different environment, different home. And holidays were important. And I'm here to tell you, as an adult now, I can look back and I can see the definite advantages for a family to establish traditions at holidays. It's important. Birthdays, Christmas, Resurrection Day or Easter, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Take vacations together. And you can you can go on vacation and not spend a lot of money, by the way. Take vacations together. Spend special family times together. Well, our son is doing something I, I had never heard of. I guess my wife has. But once a month for this year, they're, what are they calling it? Adventures. They're doing an adventure once a month. And, you know, this month they... They um, went to a donut shop, and then they went to a store, bought a toy, went to a park, and just had 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 fun. You know, do something special. 
And, it, and again, it doesn't always have to be an expensive something special. But grandparents, if you, if you have the ability to be around your grandchildren, get involved in those things and be a part of them. It's important. Number five. And this is where it, this is where I go from being a nice guy to being starting to be a little mean. Teach them to work. Teach your kids how to work. Proverbs chapter twenty, verse eleven. Even who laughed? Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work is uh, be pure, whether it be right. Teach your children to work. <clears throat> when I grew up in a home that we got an allowance because we did chores. And <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I rebelled against that. Because when I started, when, 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 when our kids started getting old enough where they could do chores and things like that, I looked at Melanie and I said, I'll be doggone if I'm going to pay my kids to be part of our family. They should do chores, not because I pay them, but because they are part of our family. Why should I pay my kids to live in my house and to eat my food? That's backwards. And, and if, my, if my mom listens to this sermon, I'm sorry, mom, but you got it wrong. I'm sorry. Teach your kids how to work. I'm going to get probably get in trouble for this one, but I remember when Ashley was six with the dishes, the dish things. Oh, you were 12. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, I didn't realize I'd let it go that far. I Ashley was 12 years old, and here my wife had cooked cooked dinner, cleaned up all the dishes, and was in the kitchen doing the dishes. And the kids are running around playing, and I, and I want and I thought and the light bulb went on. I said, "What's wrong with this picture?" So I went in my wife and I said, "I said, sweet sweetie, why is Ashley not in here helping with this?" At that time, Tim was still a little, a little young, and and I said Ashley should be in here doing these dishes, not you. And this is what she said to me: She doesn't do it the way I want it done. Now, if you know my wife, you know if you know my wife, she's very particular. And I said, and and I said, teach her, teach her to do it the right way, but get her in here and make her start doing, and. <clears throat> It's important we teach our children to work. There's two reasons. First off, they will not respect what they have if they don't. When I was 18, 17, when I was 17, <clears throat> I was the baby, okay? I was the spoiled one, according to my sister. By the time my sister and my brother were gone, I was, I was left at home. You know how it is. Uh, by that time, my mom and dad had worked at their jobs for a long time, and they had gone up the chain of, you know, and they were making good money by the time I was a junior in high school. And <clears throat> I decided one day I wanted a new truck. 
not a new truck, but a, a new-to-me truck. So I went to my dad, and I said, hey, dad, I want you to go buy me this truck. He almost strangled me. <laughs> Needless to say, he did not buy me the truck. Oh. About three weeks later, he came to me and he, he said, Rick, he's a guy at work is selling a 1968 Ford Maverick. How many of y'all remember those? Okay, a straight six, three speed on the column. Man, you go zero to 60 in about four hours. <clears throat> but I bought that car. And that was my car. Because I paid for it. And I, I later, later, many years later, I went to my dad and I thanked him for not, doing, not buying that truck for me. Because I would have I tore it up because I wouldn't have respected it. Not only, not only did he make me pay back the six, I still remember how much it cost, 600 bucks. Not only did I have to pay it back, but I had to pay it back with interest. Praise God for my dad. Teach your children to work. And then secondly, the second reason is because, <clears throat> because they need to learn how to work. It's really pretty simple. I mean, you can go to companies all over our state, all over our area, and they are screaming for people that will work. Not, not, there's plenty of people that want paychecks. It's important to learn how to work. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about with that one? Okay, okay, all right, just making sure. Number six, and this, again, this is a more difficult one. Look for teachable moments. Look for teachable moments. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What is the best teacher? Anybody? experience and why don't you let other people's mistakes teach your children because it's better for other people to make mistakes and you use that to teach your children than to let your children make those same mistakes it's a whole lot easier I remember when, when uh, I, I don't know if both of our kids said this, but I know one of them said it. I don't know which one, but I do remember hearing this. And, and, and my wife was always a lot better at using people and situations around us to teach our children biblical principles. But I remember one of them looking at her one day and saying, Mom, does everything have to go back to the Bible? And the answer, that was probably you. Um, and the answer to that is, yes. Train up a child in the way you should go. Don't just say, hey, don't do this. Say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't do this because not only will you end up with X, Y, and Z, but the Bible says in blah, 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 that God hates that. Find 
teachable moments and use them to instill character in the lives of your children. Life happens all around us. We see incidences all around us every day that we can take and teach our children. Something as simple as the as a as a beautiful moon hanging up in the sky. You can take a small child and say, "Hey, do you know who put that there?" It's a great teaching moment. Use these times to teach your children. I know that when our children got older and life starts to become more and more complicated as they become teenagers, we would use the failure of people that we knew around us to, to, to use those moments as teaching moments for our children. And then probably the most difficult of the seven is have a good marriage. Mark chapter 3, verse 25 says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be what? One flesh. Someone once said, The greatest gift my parents ever gave me was seeing their great marriage. Work hard at your marriage. Let me encourage you to make church a priority. Because I'm here to tell you, if you do not make church a priority, then you won't be there. Make church a priority. Spend time together. I already talked to, told you that my wife and I had date nights once a week for, for the majority of our 37 years of marriage, and we still do it. Read good books together. My wife and I are leaving for a pastor's conference up in Oregon tomorrow. We have a nine-hour drive tomorrow. And the majority of that time, we will be reading a book. Well, I should say, she'll be reading a book. And every time we travel, every time we go somewhere, we, we make a habit of taking a book on marriage that we can read. It makes a difference. And then we periodically, depending on the book, we will periodically stop and talk about what we just read. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, you know, we, we share. We don't, we don't just me read a book and her read a book. We read it together. Work, it, work hard at being involved in your marriage. Obviously, that should go without saying. But most importantly, don't take each other for granted. John, you've been only married two years. Don't take her for granted. Ashley, the same thing. The most trouble that I have gotten myself into in my marriage is because I've taken my wife for granted. Don't do it. So I hope that and trust that these seven things have been a, a help to you or maybe maybe you're very well connected with all of these, but hopefully maybe some of them have been a reminder for you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the verses we read, I want to read them again. <clears throat> and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart 
and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Again, I want to reemphasize the importance of, of, of the baby dedication, the, 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 the commitment that it takes not only to just raise a child right, but raise a child for the Lord. There's a difference, by the way. You can raise a child right, and that child do nothing for God. I'm not talking about raising a child right. I'm talking about raising a child for the Lord. The first example that I know of in Scripture was a, is a lady named Hannah. Hannah was barren. She wanted a child very, very desperately. And she begged God for a child. And, and, and in, her, <clears throat> in her desperation for a child, she promised God that if she uh, would be given a child, uh, that she would then turn around and give that child back to him. And, and all, of, all of this takes place in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, verse 27 and 28 says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah desperately wanted a child. And she begged God for, for this child and <clears throat> promised that if she would to have a child, that God, she would then give him back to God. And she fulfilled her promise. So the baby dedication that uh, we're going to be talking about uh, this evening has roots in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Larry and Patricia, this is this part of the this part of the message is for you this evening. I want to give you four responsibilities that you're going to be taking on by doing this. The first one is your responsibility to be godly examples. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul in this passage was encouraging other believers to follow him as he followed Christ. Can you imagine the burden of responsibility that Paul was taking on by saying that? What he was saying was, you know what? As I walk with God, then you, you follow me. That's, a, that's an incredible burden that Paul willfully brought upon himself. Now, I'm here to tell you, parents, your kids will do what you do. If you are a fake sitting here in these chairs today, your kids will be fakes. If you are a godly person, your kids will be godly, godly people as well. But if you are a carnal person, your kids will be carnal. 
You, your kids know you better. I think I, 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 I don't know. But I think kids know more about parents than parents think they do. You don't believe me? Babysit one. It's an amazing thing what kids will tell pastor. Just saying. It's, it's funny. Oh, really? Okay. Didn't know that. The second thing that you need to be aware of is your responsibility to train your children. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, <clears throat> training, training your children never, <clears throat> never stops. It never takes a vacation. It never uh, eases. It's a 24-7 commitment. And those of us that are grandparents now know the burden that comes along with being a parent. Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, verses 18 to 21 says, Therefore shall ye, uh, shall ye lay up uh, these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them uh, for a sign upon your head <clears throat> that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them, your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, uh, that, that, by the way, that's talking about the teachable moments, by the way. That's what that's talking about. Uh, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and <clears throat> thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon, the, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied and <clears throat> the days of your children in the land which the Lord uh, uh, swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. In other words, there is never a time in your life when you're sitting down, when you're setting up, when you're in bed, when you're walking. By the way, it, it covers every scenario. You are to be teaching your children all the time. There is no vacation. There's no there's no holiday. There's 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 nothing. You you you're stuck. And and I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't stop when they leave your home. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you there, Tony. <clears throat> and I'm and I'm here to tell you, I promise you, Larry, Patricia, you're gonna want to quit. There will be days that you're going to want to quit. You're going to think this thought. You're going to think, I did not sign up for this. But you, but you did. Number three responsibility is to keep your promises. Keep your promises. Mainly keep your promises to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he... Uh, have no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldst not vow than that thou uh, uh, shouldst vow and not pay. In other words, the vow that you're going to make here tonight is an important vow before God. And if you're not prepared to do it, then don't do it. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath uh, to bind his soul with, with a bond, he shall 
and not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. See, Hannah had decided and de- had dedicated her decision to God. When, when Samuel was born, she gave Samuel back to God as hard as I, can, I could not imagine. I could not imagine taking a small child. Uh, Samuel was probably anywhere between the ages of two and four when she gave him to God, physically gave him to God. I cannot imagine either one of our children at the age of two to four just saying, okay, here you go, God. But she did, and she kept her word. And because she kept her word, Samuel went on to do great things for God. I have often wondered what would have happened had Hannah said, okay, God, I've got Samuel now. He's, you know, two, three years old, whatever. I don't know. I can't, I can't let him go. There's not a mom in this room that would blame, blame her for that. But I wonder how much the nation of Israel would be different had Samuel not grown to be the man of God that he was. And then number four, your responsibility to God. Your, your responsibility to God is in two parts. The first one is to teach his love. His love is unconditional. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The, the love of... Uh, excuse me, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> God's love is unconditional. Your love needs to be unconditional. Now, does that mean that your children will never hurt you or never disappoint you? Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. I was talking with somebody recently about the gospel. I was sharing the, 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 the good news with them. And, and, and this is what the individual said to me. They said, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, but I know me and I know the horrible things that I've done. There is no way God could love me. And I, I, I used his, his daughter for an example. I said, I said, you know, you've got a little girl that, that you love deeply. Am I right? And he said, oh, she, he said, she's my world. And I said, what do you think would happen if she grows up to be in her early 20s, mid-20s, and she does something really, really bad and ends up in prison? Do you think you would stop loving her? And he said, absolutely, I would never stop loving her. I said, that is the kind of love that God has for you. Unconditional love. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> I'm almost done, buddy. Okay, teach, teach his love and then, and then teach, teach his expectations. And this is really important because God has expectations for your child just as he has for you and for I. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, verses 1 and 2, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. God wants your children to be obedient. And it's your responsibility to teach them to be that way. This may sound very simple, but the truth is, if you can keep, teach them to honor you and to obey you, what's going to happen when they get older and God starts speaking to their hearts? They're going to go, oh, okay, God. But if they're rebellious, rebellious against you, what's going to happen when they get older? They're going to rebel against God. Teach them his expectations. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear my instructions of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and the chain about thy neck. His expectations will make them better people, better Christians, better people. All right, Larry, you can come back in. Okay, come on up, you guys. We got the whole family coming up here.